failing for living a resilient life. Do you know that failure is one of the most dreaded words of the English language? The very idea of failing is enough to stop many people in their tracks. It can cause you and even the majority of people to simply pack up, turn around, and go home. To retreat even without trying again. Yet it is through seeming failures that many of life's greatest successes and accomplishments are achieved. Tonight, I'm starting a series focusing on how to deal with failure, how to overcome failure. It might seem strange, the idea of failing forward, but the problem is, is that many people, when they fail, they go backwards. We want to learn how we can fail forward. You see, the major difference between achieving fruitful people and people who are mediocre or average is their perception of and their response to failure. Failure shouldn't be seen as an enemy to dread. And some of you are thinking, are you recommending that I go fail this week? No, no, no. But we must begin to change the way we think about failure. Did you know that this not talked about terrible truth is that all roads to a fruitful life of accomplishment, achievement through Jesus Christ will lead through the land of failure? That may sound a little bit foreboding, but hopefully by the end of this series, you're going to learn some things about how to live a resilient life. Did you know that probably every person that you admire most has walked through this same road? And I could list names all night, and we will feature a few of those, including the Wright brothers, Arnold Palmer, Mary Kay Ash, Truett Cathy, uh, Tony Gwynn, Amelia Earhart, uh, Hank Aaron, Mother Teresa, on and on the list could go, have all experienced failure but learned how to turn it into simply a stepping stone into success. That's what we're going to be talking about. I like Peter Drucker's comment, the management guru, when he says, the better a man is, the more mistakes he will make. Why? Simply because there are more things he will try. And because of that, he will accomplish more things. So I want to begin with this verse of scripture that I think sets the mood and sets the tone for this series that is so powerful of a scripture found in second corinthians chapter 4 the apostle paul who we've studied together as we even walked through the entire book of acts last year together we learned a lot about the apostle paul and this is a verse written to the church at corinth but one that summarizes his experience in life and in ministry and i think it probably describes where many of us want to be listen Look what it says. We are hard-pressed on every side. Anybody, anybody been there? Some of you say, I'm there right now. <laughs> I, we are hard-pressed on every side. But listen to this. But not crushed. Perplexed. Yes. But not in despair. Persecuted. I love this one. But not, what? But not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. Amen? 
Now, that is an amazing statement from a man who was so greatly and mightily used of God. This is a transparent, authentic statement of what he went through in life. And he said, listen, my life has not been easy. Why do you think he would share so transparently with with the believers at Corinth as well as the Holy Spirit sharing with you and me tonight to be a voice of encouragement to us that we may also find ourselves in similar circumstances, but we should take hope. Why? Because we'll know that Jesus is the answer. And there are ways and there are lessons to learn to deal with failure so that you, just like Paul, can live a resilient life. That's what that verse says to me. He's a resilient man of God. Now, all of you know the star Michael Jordan. You may or may not have seen it before, but there was a commercial, I I don't remember how long ago, so anyway, but quite some time ago. uh, But it showed Michael Jordan walking into an arena where the people were shouting and chanting, as many times they did in Chicago, And on the commercial, you hear his voice saying this. I've missed 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over again in my life. Pause. And then he said, that's why. I succeed. Not that Michael Jordan should represent anything more compelling than the life of the Apostle Paul. But it's the same message. The message is we need to think differently about failure. So tonight what we're going to do is offer you some fundamental facts as we launch this series. Some fundamental facts about failure. Some of these will shock you and surprise you and some of them will be all too familiar number one the first fact is simply this everybody is going to fail <laughs> i thought this was going to be an encouragement <laughs> everybody is going to fail at some point everybody is going to face failure of one kind or the other it's simply a reality if you are so deceived to suggest and to think that that those of us who love God with all of our hearts or want to serve God, that somehow we're going to be excluded from the reality of failure, uh, you simply don't get it. Truth is that everybody fails. There are different varieties and different types of failure, yes. And we'll talk briefly about what some of those are. But we need to understand that failure is normal. None of us are going to go through life without error without mistakes the truth is that there are even some good failures there are bad failures when we've been sabotaged by our own judgment our own thinking maybe our own sinfulness there are even unavoidable failures when people subject us in somehow some form to failure or when the systems that we live in have somehow broken down companies fail People fail, nations fail, schools fail, parents fail. Failure is going to happen to everybody. That's probably helpful for us just to distinguish a little bit 
because we're using the word failure and in so using it i just want to make sure you understand it's kind of an umbrella term i'm using it can include everything from sin to an unavoidable failure we know that as far as sin is concerned the word for sin in the new testament is the word harmatia in the original greek language and it simply means to miss the mark there's a target if you can imagine a target on the wall and you aim and you shoot but you totally miss the mark that's what it means to sin to miss the mark and yet romans tells us chapter 3 verse 23 how many have sinned all have sinned and come short of the glory of god is there anybody here tonight not included in that word a-l-l am i is there no none all have sinned whether it's sin that is a transgression where you have intentionally or unintentionally failed god we have all sinned if you've sinned say amen didn't say amen then we need to work on you a little bit more anyway the good news is that that there is forgiveness for sin through jesus christ amen first john 1 9 promises us that simply stating this if we simply confess our sins he will be faithful and just to what forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's good news so we're not talking about the issue of forgiveness really we're talking about how to deal with failure of any kind I might just throw in this other scripture in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. It talks about us in the body of Christ, the family of God. And it says, if someone in the family has been overtaken by a sin. It's interesting language. That actually speaks of someone that's not intentional, rebellious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn against God. But, but somehow sin has crept up and overcome them and kind of caught up from behind and a surprise attack on them. It says if someone's been overtaken by an offense or a sin, you who are spiritually mature should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. That's what love ought to do. That's how the church ought to operate. We ought to love one another, not kill one another, not fight one another, not embarrass one another. We ought to help restore people because we're all going to fall. We're all going to fail. And so we're given some admonition about that. I love this little poem. I'm not much of a poem guy, but I thought this was worth sharing. The path was, what I mean, not a poem guy, it's not one for sermons to include. Some of you literaries are going to really be mad at me. So, but, but here's what I thought would work. The path was worn and slippery. My foot slipped from under me, knocking the other out of the way. But I recovered and said to myself, it's a slip and not a fall. I wonder how many times we have all slipped and we need to understand everybody is going to fail. All right? That is fundamental. The second fundamental fact that I need you to get a hold of tonight is the fact that failure doesn't need to be fatal. Failure does not need to be fatal. Somehow we have been deluded into thinking once we really fall, slip, fail, whether it be in morals, whether it be in marriage, business, life in general, somehow we buy into this lie that says, once you fail, it's it. In fact, you're marked for the rest of your life. Many people never actually recover from failure. So failure becomes fatal in their life. Unnecessarily, but it becomes fatal. If we allow it to, 
failure will dominate our mind, our thinking, our attitudes, the way we live, the way we walk. Whether a Christian or a non-Christian, it doesn't matter. That's what happens. We have to learn not to allow failure to be fatal. I'm reminded of a Tanzanian named John Akari back in 1968 who ran in the Mexico City Olympics. As you know, many East Africans are known for their marathon expertise. And they know how to run. Long, lanky, Maasai John Akari represented his nation proudly of Tanzania. As he began to run this lengthy marathon in the Olympics in Mexico City, he was doing well until a certain point where he uh, had a, uh, an accident with another runner, fell, injured himself on the, on the uh, racetrack, and everyone in the stands gasped when they saw that, and they were, oh, no. He rolled around for a while in great pain, and all the medics rushed out as all the rest of the runners and all the rest had passed long. For several minutes, he laid there trying to recover. And next thing you know, you see John Akari standing up barely, and he began to limp his way for the next seven and a half miles of that marathon. Now, to most people who didn't see John Akari on the medal stand that day, but the truth is that John Akari. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he understood that failure doesn't have to be fatal. He was determined, even though he experienced something, it wasn't his fault, but it was failure. All that he had trained and prepared for to compete in the Olympics now had gone up in smoke, but he was determined to keep running. How many of you remember the story of Peter when the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 26 that Peter denied Jesus three times. The end of Jesus' life after his arrest, Peter had said to him only moments before, he said, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Jesus had predicted his failure, but no way. There's no way. I'm not going to fail. I'm not a failure. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to deny you. Peter was absolutely confident at that moment in his loyalty and his strength. He was absolutely certain that he would never fail Jesus on the point of loyalty and courage. But as we see Peter nearing the finish line of the life of his Savior, he, fought, he falters, he fails. Not once. Three times he denies even knowing Jesus. He said, no, 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 that's not me. You must be mistaken. That must be somebody else. Isn't it amazing that sometimes we never think failure is going to come our way, knock on our door, but it does. Invariably, we wind up doing something very similar to Peter. Peter failed. He failed to tell the truth. He failed to keep his promise. He failed to keep his loyalty to Jesus at that moment. And just like Peter, we do something similar in our own lives. We start off well. We have the best intentions. We're excited. We want to succeed in our faith walk. 
we have a desire to be disciples of the Lord and to be faithful to Him, yet so often we get distracted from staying devoted and true to the faith. We allow things to happen. Sometimes we make bad decisions. And sometimes stuff just happens. And we experience failure. You don't have to allow that failure, though, to be fatal. And thank God Peter didn't. Peter could have modeled the actions of another betrayer, Judas. Contrast those two lives for a moment. Peter denied Jesus. Judas betrayed him. But Judas ended up taking his own life. He ended it all. But Peter rebounded, bounced back, was filled with the Holy Spirit and was the most profound proclaimer of truth on the day of Pentecost with 3,000 people coming to Christ. Peter knew that failure didn't have to be fatal or final in his life. Neither do we. Don't let failure be fatal in your life. Winston Churchill said it well when he said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Isn't that powerful? Success isn't final. You might have, you, some of you are still living in successes you had years and years ago. The success is not final. Failure is not fatal. doesn't have to be. We have to continue on, don't we? Here's the uh, truth of keeping failure from being fatal. I don't have time to, to really digress deeply into these points, but very quickly, I said failure is not fatal if, conditions here, we remember that God's love and forgiveness is not dependent on our own success. Aren't you glad? Huh? It's not fatal if we learn and grow from our own failures. We'll be talking about that in coming weeks, how to learn from a failure. And finally, it's not fatal if we put our failures behind us and press on, as Churchill so properly said. The third fundamental fact. Are you ready for this one? Number three. Number three is simple, very simple. Everybody doesn't profit from failure. <laughs> Should be obvious, but I want to make sure you saw it clearly. Judas didn't. Peter did. Not everyone figures out this important principle that I'm teaching you in this series, and that is how to bounce back, how to be resilient, how to keep from allowing failure to be fatal. Not everybody profits from it. I think the scripture in Proverbs 14, 12 says it well when it says, there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of it is what? It's destruction. All of us have an opinion. We all have ideas, but they're not always right. They're not always true. They don't always align with God's perspective. And so we have to acknowledge the fact not everybody is allow failure to produce something positive in their life. It takes a certain mindset to allow failure to propel us, not kill us. There are lessons that we can learn. We're going to talk about letting failure be a mentor and a teacher, an educator, instead of the death knell to our life. 
Not everybody profits. I pray you will be one who profits from failure. The last point I'm going to share tonight is that anybody can learn to live a resilient life. Anybody can learn. Not everybody's going to, but anyone can. I love this quote. Our greatest glory lies not in never failing or falling, but in rising every time we do fall. That's powerful. In life, you have to learn to hit the reset button. Y'all know sometimes there's no other answer than just to reboot. Am I right? I mean, it's like, you've done everything, you know, you're like, I don't know, man, this computer or my phone or whatever device it may be. And there's sometimes there's nothing else you can do other than what? Just reboot. Just hit the reset button. Hopefully most of the time that works, <laughs> but sometimes it may not. But let me tell you something, in life, that is the key. We must learn to hit the reset button. I've probably told the story too many times, but... I remember when I first went into full-time ministry. Now, this is my, I'm going in, I'm finishing up my 42nd year in full-time ministry. I'm not that old. I just started really young, okay? <laughs> my very first year in pastoral ministry, I had been in ministry a few years, but it was my first time pastoring a church. And I was asked to do a wedding. It was actually my very first formal wedding. Now, that's scary. If you've never done it, you, know, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you've never done a wedding before and you think, oh, surely, this can't be any real. I mean, that's easy. Until all of a sudden it's like, can you do my wedding? Well, of course I can do your wedding. And then you think, how am I supposed to do a wedding? No, that, that was not a class in Bible college. I, someone failed to teach me to do a wedding. And I remember running to my pastor and saying, Jim, please help me. How do I do a wedding? He said, ah, it's no big deal. You know, he gave me a couple of sheets of paper and sent me on my way. My very first wedding, I was nervous in the service. And on the ver I was doing really good. I followed all the directions that my pastor, my mentor had given me. And I got right up to the very end. Andrew, you're going to be delighted that you had Randy doing your, your wedding, by the way. Congratulations, Andrew. Uh, at the very end, I'm doing really good. I'm feeling like I'm a success, right? I get to the very end, and I said, you may now kiss the broom. broom i called her a broom i think you can see my tongue simply got tangled and i mixed bride and groom and got broom oh i could tell you all night some of my blooper stories they are awful embarrassing but the most important thing i can say to you is that one thing i figured out you have to hit the reset button for a while, I was paranoid. For the next time, someone was going to say, would you do a wedding? And I do have other wedding bloopers, but I won't, I, won't, I won't tell you those stories. But I had to hit the reset button. I had to determine to be resilient. What does it mean to be resilient as we use this in the label of this series? Resiliency is simply this. It is the ability to return from adversity. It means to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. And I've already established, stuff happens to all of us, right? So the question is, 
How will we respond? Others in the scripture provide us great hope to know how to live a resilient life. How to learn this important principle. I think of Joshua. He failed after having a great... It's funny how failure sometimes is right on the heels of success. Having a, maybe his greatest success of his life at Jericho. Seeing God do all this great stuff with him at Jericho. And then to turn right around and through AI, get defeated and fail miserably. He could have given up and said, that's it, God. I'm not going to lead the children of Israel anymore. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't feel right. But instead, he bounced back and went on to lead the children of Israel into conquering more and more of their promised land. You probably know the story, but Thomas Edison, the great inventor that now we credit with so many amazing inventions. Quite a picture, isn't it? He said, I've not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. <laughs> Did you know that in his effort to invent the incandescent light bulb, he failed Almost, not quite, but almost 10,000 times. Can you imagine 10,000 experiments? 10,000 elements of, of try this, try that, try that, and every time they, were, they, they didn't work. And finally one day, he found one that did. And later came known for well over 1,000 amazing inventions. He himself said, Someone asked him, what does it feel like to be such a failure? He said, oh, I'm not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Did you know that J.K. Rowling, the now famous author of Harry Potter series, did you know that when she wrote the first Harry Potter book, that she was on welfare, that she was an absolute Failure and life in the estimation of everybody that knew her. Didn't have money, was living on government support in England, but loved to create and write. Had been turned down repeatedly from many, many publishers who said, there is no way this novel, this, this book's silly. She persisted because of her resiliency you know the rest of the story. So rather than listing a bunch of other characters and historians and figures that celebrities that will be included in some of our future weeks together, I hope you understand the point. Everybody can live a resilient life. They just have to apply God's principles and truth. And we're going to discover those together. These tonight are simply fundamental truths and facts about failure. And I hope it's helped you to understand. Let's stand together and pray. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. As you stand to your feet, I'm going to encourage you just to bow your heads for a moment. And I'm just going to, I'm going to pray for everyone. And, and as Chrisana comes to just play the keyboards and prepare the 
the moment here where we close our service. Just going to ask you tonight if maybe you have found yourself stuck. Maybe you're one, for whatever reason, that has never hit the reset button in life. Maybe you've never even figured out some of these basic fundamentals. Did you know that tonight can become the launching point, the starting point of a resilient life? Your greatest glories, achievements, lie ahead. No matter what failure, no matter what sin, no matter what you've done, or no matter what has been done to you, Let's make a decision to live a resilient life. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Bobby, include me when you pray. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray a prayer of faith for all of us. I've, in some area of my life, I have failed to hit the reset button and I've accepted the fact that failure was fatal in my life. But tonight, I'm going to decide that I'm going to take these messages to heart and I'm going to press on. Would you just raise your hand in some area of your life? Just Accept this prayer of faith for you right now. I pray over each and every person whose hands are lifted, who acknowledge that in one way or the other in their life that they've, they've allowed failure to become fatal and they've not pressed on. But tonight, Lord, I pray that your faith and your encouragement would so buoy them, Lord, that they would become resilient. They would receive forgiveness if they need to confess something whatever it may be that they need to do they'll learn these lessons and they'll become a resilient person and lord their greatest fruitfulness and the greatest harvest and the greatest successes will still come to them i pray for this in jesus name while your heads are still bowed i want to close with one final question is there anybody in this room tonight that has not fully put your trust in jesus christ to give you new life and to give you forgiveness. I want to pray for you tonight. Or maybe you have and maybe for whatever reason you've fallen away. You've been cast aside. Maybe you've just turned away and you've not been following after God. But tonight you say, I'm ready to be a committed follower of Christ. Pray for me tonight. If you're in either one of those categories and you want prayer tonight, you'll be right with God from this moment forward. Could you just lift your hand? Say, pray for me tonight. I want to make sure that I'm right with God. See one hand, anyone else? Pray for me tonight. I see another hand, someone else. Stuff's not been right. I've just not been 100%. Not been going after God. Maybe I've never come to Christ. I see a couple of hands of those who want to just resurrender and recommit so i'm going to pray for you now father i pray for those whose hands are lifted and maybe even those who are not and we pray this prayer lord jesus we repent of our sins our patterns our life habits whatever we have done to contribute to our own situation we know that we've sinned but we're so thankful tonight that forgiveness comes through jesus christ we don't earn it we receive it as a free gift Tonight we receive it and we choose to live full out, all in for you, Lord Jesus, from this moment on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.